this on? Now it is. Just a moment, I'm going to have the privilege of introducing those who will be sharing in our Storm Shelter series today. The slides and videos you've seen are of Traden Karch, who some months ago was in a pretty horrific car accident, and today he's a miracle of God. We're going to hear their story about what it's like to go into the storm, totally unexpecting it, go through the storm with by God's grace, and then what's on the other side when you come out of a storm I'm so glad you're here today. I've longed to hear this story. I've been able to stay in touch with them, as you have, via various posts and articles, and then even uh, through videos that have been done about his life. Today, they're live and in color. This is their home church. And so, Karches, we're glad today to have you home with us to tell your story that you told so many other places. We're going to listen really attentively. I want to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. And then we're going to walk into this storm of the storm series called Storm Shelter. Our Father, today it's with great joy we get to come into your presence. What a glorious day you made for the purpose. We're here today for one reason and one reason only, and that's because Jesus Christ, who's the Lord of all, is the Lord of us. We've gathered in this place to praise you for your mercy. You have marvelous giftedness and abilities to take our storms and turn them into marvelous pictures of your grace. You do that so well. And I'm grateful today for the Karches who are going to tell us their story, which is really your story, how you work through them and in them and with them to magnify yourself through a very long, a very long valley. I pray today our hearts will be attentive, whether we're here live in the worship center of First Baptist Church or visiting via live stream. Let the story be clear. Let the power of God be evident. And at the time of invitation, I pray many hearts will be ready to yield themselves to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to ask you all to start this morning, first of all, just by telling us, who are you? Chris, introduce yourself and your family, where y'all work, where y'all go to school, that kind of stuff. Well, I'm Chris, and and this is Amanda Say and Trayton. Uh, Amanda works uh, for Broken Arrow Public Schools, and Trading and say both go to school here in Broken Arrow, and I work for Morris Public Schools. And you're a superintendent, I think. I think. <laughs> and your wife is a teacher, I think. So, so y'all are a prayer request on a good day, right? That's right. <laughs> we hear a little bit about teachers today and education, so we do thank God for you and many like you who serve in that role, and God bless you for what you do. I know you have some other family here. I leaned over a minute ago and asked, do you have others here? So you what are extended family of these folks? I don't know where you are. Would you stand real quickly? Where are you? Your, I think a granddaddy's here. We and a have sister. my dad, Jerry, and my grandma, Georgia, and Chris's mom, Glenda. Wonderful. So glad y'all can join us today. Thank you. God bless you for being here. If y'all want to be, you know, members, we'd welcome you. Not many people sit on the front, so God bless you. You'd have those seats pretty well any Sunday. We're, we're delighted. I want to take just a minute and just say real quickly, and Chris or, or Amanda, somebody, we know that there was a car accident. We, we understand that. But tell us just briefly, it was somewhere right here even in the area. When was it? Tell us about it. So just a brief part so we can understand those pictures we saw. Um, Trayton was, was in a car accident, and it was right over here at, at 61st and Elm. Um, and... Basically, he he was hit by by the car. The car actually the impact. It was a two car accident, but he was actually uh, impacted by by the collision. Um, and it was hit him in the side of the head. 
and it was a left, uh, he suffered a, a left side traumatic brain injury um, and spent uh, three, weeks in a, three weeks in a coma. Um, we spent another two weeks in ICU. So we were five weeks all together at St. Francis, and, and then he had another month that he spent in rehab at uh, Bethany, Oklahoma. Wow. Your story's been told a lot of places. I, I don't know if you know, but they have been able to share this with churches literally all around the area and throughout the state. Uh, some time ago, in 2016 August, I think, uh, Traden is a marvelous golfer and loves the game. And uh, he, he was involved in several junior PGA events here in Broken Era, played for his golf team. His story was picked up by one of his heroes named Rory, Rory McElroy. That's hard for me to say with that many R's. But Rory picked up his story, was very impressed by both Traden and his family, and literally August of 2016, PGA played his story with an 11-minute video. You can pick up by just going PGA, Traden Cart story. And it's a marvelous video of what he went through his time of progression toward healing, his time with Rory, a time to go to PGA tournament, and all those things. So your story has been told a lot of places and by a lot of people. I, I want to just ask you, in those first moments, and many of us cannot relate, we've never been where our child was in literally the valley of the shadow. What were some of the things the medical folks told you initially, and obviously what did that do to you to hear that? One of one of the first things that we heard was after Traden's accident, uh, he was in he was in surgery for six hours, and one of the things that kind of really stuck out to me was um, you know the surgery was over, and of course we want to know how it went. We want to know, I mean we we have a lot of questions. We want to know a prognosis, and um, we were we were sat down with with uh, one of the doctors, and you know she was very frank. Um, when she just she told us i remember her words which were i know what you want to know you want to know is is trading going to live and if he does live um what's his quality of life going to be and that was you know uh that was a that was a very scary moment because i kept waiting throughout the surgery and and immediately after the surgery i kept waiting for uh you know, somebody to come and, and basically say, hey, it looked really, it looked really bad, but everything's going to be just fine. And that was, that was not what we were told. Uh, and, and she just shared with us that they couldn't say. And, and literally at that moment, uh, everything was on the table from death um, to, uh, you know, Anything that you can imagine that comes with uh, with with a traumatic brain injury, uh, it was all possible, and and it became very, the fear became very real to us. Um, Amanda, I can't imagine as a mama hearing those words. Sometimes the greatest storm is not what's out there; it's what's within us because of what's happening out there. What, what did you? And I don't mean this stupid, but what were some of those initial fears that you remember with such graphic? remembrances and memories that really gripped you? Well, I think not knowing will he ever be able to talk again? Will he ever, will he even wake up? Um, will he make it? Um, will he be able to walk? Will he be able to do all the things that he used to do that he loved? Will I ever hear him laugh again? 
fears, those kinds of fears would creep in. And um, I, I know that those days, Amanda, had to be long, and certainly Chris, they had to be long because it's what you said. We are in such a marvelous era of medicine and the practice of medicine. We assume he's going to have surgery, then put it back together. It's going to say it's going to be a long recovery, but all's well. When that doesn't happen, the tension and stress on parents becomes enormous, doesn't it? Tell me this. We, we are, and I'm including me in this we, we often are well-meaning. We visit. We want to say something's encouraging. We want to pray with you. What really helped you when you'd hear from people? What was a great benefit? And in all candor, we're pretty good at being trite phrases that really you say, that, that really didn't help me. And because, because that we can learn how to be better ministering to people. So what was a benefit through those long days in which you say really didn't help at all? You know, we we were we were blessed. Um, I remember being on the ICU, ICU floor and uh, walking by uh, some of the rooms, and, and I remember one in particular. Um, they 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 were whatever they were going through, they were going at it alone, and and, and I remember you know just feeling so blessed because we we had constant support. Uh, from our family, um, from the church, uh, from <laughs> lots of churches. Um, you know, the, the people that we uh, that we work with. It was, it was. Um, we we needed it, and and I remember I remember us having this conversation. Um, I don't know how people could get through this alone. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, praise God, we, we didn't have to do that. We had more than enough support and, you know, anything that we needed. Um, I remember, you know, and some of the people in this church, um, taking care of, taking care of the lawn, just those, those little things that, um, that need to be taken care of. And of course we had, you know, gobs of gifts, um, yes, I just said gobs. Uh, <laughs> He's a superintendent. He can say gobs. <laughs> yeah, my vocabulary. Uh, but, you know, it was some of the things that I personally remember, um, and I remember a group of gentlemen uh, from from the church uh, came and, and just for me and, you know, sat down and, and we visited and... Uh, you you mentioned trite phrases, um, and and what I remember about what they did for for me that night was they let me they let me talk, and mm. they listened, and and that was that was big, because mm. you know we I, I think that was that was one of the one of the best things that people could do for us you got to was was let was listen listen to us and and maybe and I know it means well but but not tell us you know everything's going to be all right uh, because um, at that at that point in time we 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 don't really we don't want to hear that because we don't we don't know that and um, so. I think for me, the best thing for me was knowing that people were praying. Mm-hmm. And I, 
could be at any time. My sister set up a time where from 6 p.m. to, well, I think it was 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. on every hour someone was praying. And I had it in my phone, mm -hmm. and I could at 2 a.m., if all of a sudden everything's, the alarm started going off and everybody's rushing in, I could text or call that person knowing that they were awake and that they were praying. And so I think that helped tremendously, knowing that someone every hour until he got out of ICU mm. for 36 days, there was someone always praying. And I think that just gave me a lot of comfort. And knowing who that was and knowing that you could call them if there was a special need at that moment is great comfort, isn't it? You all are amazing and that God has done such a work with you. What, what, and again, some of these sound so elementary. You say, you've got to be kidding. But what kept you focused on your faith? And here's what I mean by that. When you don't hear good news, when there's not that immediate response, when it looks like the long nights are going to get longer and there are going to be more of them than you ever imagined, some people say, I, I, it's not working. I'm, okay. I'm not even going to ask anymore. You did not. The longer the journey, the more it pressed you into Christ. What helped keep you focused? Well, and again, we we talked quite a bit through the through the whole uh, ordeal, and and I remember I remember conversations uh, going back to you know not being alone, but um, we also talked about I. We, we can't imagine what somebody would, uh, how somebody would face this right. uh, sort of situation without, without right. God. Because, I mean, literally, and, and we didn't get to go into a, a lot of the detail, but um, Trayton's, Trayton's situation was was very uh, was very grave, and we there was there was such a feeling of hopelessness that that there was nothing else that really we could do. And you know, and we had God to fall back on. Yes, sir. Uh, we we did. And um, I remember, uh, you know, uh, going back to the very beginning, um, I I did my very first Facebook post ever, and uh, I was anti Facebook, <laughs> uh, but I uh, I did my first mm -hmm. post and. And and I remember my words in there were that um, this this is the only thing that we possibly have. I mean, the doctors, what the doctors were telling us, um, uh, prayer was prayer was the only thing uh, that that we could do. And it just it, it there was such a feeling of um, it was just it was imminent. Uh, we had we had to get. People tra uh, praying for Trayton. Uh, it just it, it seemed it seemed that that was that was the only thing, and it and it was. Uh, but that was that was the only thing that we could possibly do. All the control. I'm kind of a control freak, mm -hmm. and to have you know to be in a situation where literally you know you have to rely on everybody else. Um, and I, the doctors are wonderful, and medicine is wonderful, but. Um, I knew that that we needed God's intervention, and it was just it was a desperate plea. And well, they, the doctors walk in on the fifth day, and they say, you know, we've done everything we can do. There is nothing more we can do for wow. him. And um, I know, I started after a little bit. I just would have to go and 
run up and down the stairs and I would just call out to God and I would say, God, I can't do this. And he would say, I, my, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's right. I give strength to the weary. And I would just repeat that. And, I, and then I would know, indeed, everything is for your benefit. That's right. So that grace can be shown through more and more people and uh, thanksgiving can be increased to give glory to God. And he would say, therefore, do not give up. Uh, for our momentary light affliction is producing in us an absolutely incomparable weight of eternal glory. And do not focus on what is seen because it's temporary. What is unseen is what is eternal. And so I would just go over and over mm -hmm. just things that God would speak over me through his word. And I would try to focus on those things instead of focusing on the situation. While you got your mic on, Amanda, you all are different, I think, spiritually, mentally, emotionally than you were as adults before Trayton's car wreck. Get, can you open up just a little bit? How are you different as an individual? You know, I, one of the things that happened through, um, through Trayton's, uh, Trayton's accident is you're forced in that situation because you're sitting around, you're waiting. There's not a lot, there's not a lot to do. So there's a lot of thinking, there's a lot of reflecting, pray, praying, um, reading your Bible. And a, a lot of what came out for me was, was revelations. Um, I, I just felt like God just revealed so many different, so many different things about, um, the way that, uh, the way that I view life and, you know, one, one of the most important, important to me was, was how I viewed, um, was how I viewed my children and that, you know, I, I viewed them as mine, and I remember God revealing to me that um, they are—they are not—they're not yours, Chris. Uh, they're mine first and foremost. And and I started, you know, um, I, and, and I think that's the way I view them today. Yes. Um, I'm I'm borrowing them. They they belong to God's God first, and every single day that um, that I'm blessed, that God blesses me with life. Uh, with the life of my children, and is it's just that it's it's a gift. It's a gift it from a God, gift. and and that was one of the that was one of the big things that really helped me. I, I think not go crazy, um, just because I I was able to get to a place where um, I knew that I, I knew that that the life that I had had with trading, um, that trading had had with me. Uh, was was a blessing, and there was no promise for for another day, and and that's the way I, I view them now. Mm -hmm. I was gonna let say answer how she's been changed through this whole process. My faith has been stronger, and I trust in God more. That's good. That says it. That's good. Say. She has. She has grown so much uh, in the past two years. She has matured. She has become a strong Christian. Her prayer life has grown tremendously. Um, she's 
God has really strengthened her through all of this. And, and it's true. She, she trusts a lot more now. And I don't know if Trayden wants. Thank you, Trayden. Um, <laughs> man, a few words. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I, I want to just, and I, again, some of these questions sound like, Brother Nick, you just, you, you, you're, you're totally not thinking, but. I want to ask you one other question, Miss Say, and I promise I'll leave you alone, okay? Your brother not only was in the hospital a long time, but he, he, he struggled for a long time. What was the hardest part of watching that happen for you? What made that so hard for you to watch your brother so having such a hard time? Don't know? Well, let me ask it a different way. When he got to feeling better, what was the best part? When he got to feeling better and you could talk to you and y'all could do things... What was something really good that you enjoyed doing with him or saying to him, talking to him about? Um, I can play a lot more games. Good, like electronic games? You play electronic games with him? You can play basketball. Oh, you do. And you beat him every day, right? (laughs) I'm giving you a real opportunity or say, (laughs) I'm happy for you. That's good. You're doing good. I want to ask this real quickly. So many people have been touched by your story. Who are maybe one or two? Some maybe you didn't even know before. Either sent you an email. Some of your friends have come to say, say, you have no idea what his event did in my life. Tell me one or two of those stories. We had a couple, and we each had one. And I was thinking of a family member that came to us probably a year after the accident and just said that her, she wanted to get her daughter because we had talked a lot about parents, you know, know your, where your children are going. Um, you never know what's going to happen to you or to them. And um, spend time with your children, take them to church. And so she started taking her daughter. Her daughter wanted to go to church more often. And so therefore then um, she hadn't been in church in 18 years. And her husband hadn't been in church and then once her daughter started going and she go, was going, then her husband started going. Wow. And it built their faith up. And then uh, he also prayed to receive Christ. And wow. so just story after story like that of people them starting to pray for Trayden. And that, just that initial start of talking to God grew into a much deeper relationship with Christ. And that time and time would happen again. And... Um, that we were just so thankful to hear those stories. Yeah, just kind of along the same line. I had a I had a, a a friend that graduated from from the high school that I went to, and and of course, you know, we've moved off, we've lost touch, and and uh, she sent me a, a Facebook message uh, that was you know just kind of out of the blue. It was probably about about the summer, so it was it was within those first three or four months, um, and she, she just really opened up and said she saw, um, she saw what happened in trading. She didn't know trading, um, and decided that she was going to pray for trading. That was, that was what she, she said. I was, I was going to pray for trading. Um, and then she went on and she said, it's, it's been years since my, my family and I have, have been involved in church. Um, but she said she started off praying for trading, and she, she really decided that she was going to commit to doing it. And then it led to, well, while I'm praying for trading, I might as well pray for my own family. And then she started praying for other things. 
And then after a little while, she said, she went to, you know, basically went to her husband and said, it's, it's time for us to, to find a church home. And, and when, when she had written me, I I do remember it was summer. She said, I'm working VBS. So, you know, um, re hearing those, hearing those stories, um, it, it, it helped. I mean, you know, I, obviously I, I, I wish trading wouldn't have been in an accident. Um, and, but it's, it's finding the good in, in whatever That's situation right. is, is presented. And, you know, his, his accident, we know, um, it, it blessed people and, and changed lives. And for that, you know, we, we can be thankful because it didn't have to go that direction. Um, lives, uh, we could have just had Traden's accident, and that could have been the end of it. But instead, God God did use uh, this horrible uh, situation to, to bring about uh, glory to his name. It's good. Just thinking about bringing glory to his name, you know, God has used this as a platform for us to be able to talk to so many people um, probably several, several churches just in this, this year alone. And then of course the golf channel and being able to go and trade and gets to walk with the guys inside the rope. And, and, you know, who knew that we would be able to witness and that he's giving them little keychains with his favorite verse. Do you want to tell him your favorite verse? So at least you say something. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. With God, all things are possible. Matthew six. 19. That's exactly right. 19.26. And so he would give those to the players, and we were able to to just talk to so many people about different things, about God. And, and, you know, I think about the verse that just says that God will do immeasurably more than all you can think or imagine. And I think about the Golf Channel story and what God has done through the nation and being in Golf Digest and all the different things that he's done, and we just found out about a month ago, we something that we would have never even imagined that God could do, that when you give him glory, he will display you among all the people. And I would pray that over and over, uh, a verse in Psalm just saying, God, there is no God like you. And he said that he is a God of miracles, and he will display his people his power among all the people. And I would pray that over and over and over. God, you said you are a God that performs miracles. And I would pray his word back to him saying, God, you have to display your power among all the people. And I pray that you do that. And I know you're going to do that because you said you're going to do that. And you are a God who stands by your promises. And so I would just continually pray back to him, God, this is what you said you would do. And we found out a month ago Something that I would have never even knew was possible, that that golf story is up for um, possible Emmy. Who would imagine something like that? And so God is just beyond what you can even imagine. So when you're going through something, it's probably going to help someone that you didn't even realize needed it. Amanda, that's wonderful. You, You know, as you're talking... I love that old expression said, God delights to honor the faith of the faithful. I'm sitting here with those who've been faithful. And when we're faithful, the Bible says the one who's faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. In other words, when we trust him daily, 
with those steps of life, he opens venues and avenues we could have never imagined for his power is greater. Secondly, I love your testimony when you said he promised, I will make my name great among the nations. I don't mean this disrespectful. I'm very grateful for doctors, extremely. I'm grateful for hospitals and recently with our little granddaughter. We've been through that and boy, I thank God for their wisdom. But on day five, when they said to you, we're done. There had to be a part of you that suddenly thought, oh my. But the other side said, dear God, right? You didn't despair. You didn't quit. But you clung to the promises of God more than ever. Because of that, look where you are. Look where you are. None of us want to go through that valley. But none of us, when we come out the other side, can say God didn't do it. It's easy then to say to God be the glory. Why, great things he's done, and that's good. Y'all could make me preach if I thought about it, but I'm not. This isn't my interview. Trey, I, I know you're a man who likes to talk, so I'm sorry that I've kind of ignored you. Seriously, I want you to answer, if you would, just a couple of things, because our folks want to hear from you. You're a remarkable young man. You, I, I didn't. I, I went back to see your golf video this morning at PGA did. You were golfing before you could really walk good. You were swinging that club trying to hit when you were still sitting on the floor in your diapers. I mean, you were working at it. You've always loved the game, and you're very gifted at the game. T- tell us a little bit how golf helped you get better. Your daddy, I think, brought you at some point a golf club in the hospital, right? And you began to do something that helped you in that therapy. Talk, tell me that story a little bit. Well, when I was in the rehab, uh, my mom, my bad, uh, my dad, Will, he brought my putting mat and my uh, putter and two golf balls. And uh, I will just, I will stand up and putt with it and uh, when we had uh, free time, then uh, uh, with that, uh, I will, uh, uh, I will, I guess, uh, balance too. Because at that time, it was, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You struggled to do basic things like walking, but it's amazing how quickly golf putting came back to you. Isn't that true? Tell me something, Traden. And I, you have a unique position that many of us don't have. Much of your life before the wreck, you don't remember. Is that true? Yes. So, so unlike us, who many times remember our past, you can remember from now present, but not then and back. Now, now help me with this. What what is something in that process of finally learning to walk again? talk again, function again, what's something in that recovery that suddenly you thought, yes, I'm going to make it, other than putting a golf ball, yes, I'm going to make it. What, what was it that moment for you? Well, do you remember one or two? Well, uh, I guess uh, walking, I guess. Uh, but uh, with that, uh, uh, I still remember uh, I had like uh, well, PE and rehab, and uh, I will uh, I play disc golf with with the guy, and uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, just uh, well, 
having fun with uh, with these struggles. You can you can have fun. It lightens the struggles a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it'd bring a smile to your face. Yeah. And then get you excited about the next time you could do something fun. I would think yes. Yes. And each time you did fun, you did better in the therapy to get better. Trading your miracle, young man. When we see what God's done in your life, we can rejoice. I, I want to ask just, and I've asked it, but I, I want to ask you just real quickly, as a family and as individuals, and this could be any of you, you or Chris, you, say, mom, any of you, faith for many people is something you talk about, but you don't really know how to exercise it. You all have learned how to exercise it. It's not a bank account. It's a muscle. And the more you exercise it, just like golf, the more you do, the better you get. The more you trust, the deeper you go. The more you commit to God, the more he receives and enables you. i got to believe you're different. What would you say is the most remarkable difference others see now because of where you've been? looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Miss Manda. <laughs> Come on, Mom. I think the biggest difference that people see, like Chris said, we were talking the other night, um, things don't get us discouraged as easily. We don't get upset and worry about things. I can remember many times over the past two years um, that... You know, I watched Traden, I watched God perform a miracle in Traden, and if he can heal Traden, mm. he can take care of this. Mm. So there is absolutely no reason um, to worry. We looking for a house to buy. <laughs> we haven't lived we need a house. And we have been searching for a long time. And I'm like, you know what? God will find us a house. Yes. We do not need to worry about it and stress about where we're going to live when if he can do that, then he can do anything. And so I think that's our attitude now. We don't worry. We don't fret about things. We don't get upset about things that we used to. And I always tell God, please don't ever let me go back to the way I was. Self-centered, thinking about just the things I have to do. Open my eyes. How can I bless someone else today? Well, I don't think there's any danger you backsliding. You all have such a radiant countenance. And I don't mean, if I'm getting too personal, forgive me. What, what you can't see on the screen, as I'm talking to these people, their tears are right, just about to fall down their cheeks. When God does a mighty thing for you, you don't forget it. When he does a mighty thing for you, even talking about it is holy ground. Today's an honor for me to be on platform with people who know what it is to really trust God through the long night and be able to profess joy comes in the morning. John chapter 11 was such an event in the life of our Lord Jesus. His best friend, Lazarus, had been noted, he'd been notified he was sick unto death. He didn't go. So, some of you say, that, that's my story. I prayed and he didn't come. Welcome to Lazarus' world and that of Mary and Martha. John 11 says they called Jesus and he didn't come for four days. Why? Because... He knew Lazarus was dying, but he knew what he had to do to demonstrate something greater. Mary Martha sent for him, and he didn't respond. Some of you prayed and said, I didn't see him do anything. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. The story may not be finished. 
Because the Bible says when Jesus finally came, Mary and Martha were mad. They, they had helped fund his ministry. The Bible says they were financial supporters. He had stayed in their home. Every time he came to Jerusalem, just over the Mount of Olives, two miles, is the little town of Bethany, and that's where they lived. He was a house guest. He was family. They would put up 12 men and him, 13 house guests, whenever he was in the area. We fed you. We, we have let you use our home. We financed your ministry, and you didn't come. They were not happy sisters. The Bible says when he got there, boy, they met him and said, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You, 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 anybody here ever? Yeah, you have. The Bible says in John 25, two words, Jesus wept. In John eleven twenty five. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? I think he wept, first of all, that his friends were so angry. He had not seen that side of Mary and Martha. I think he wept because as a man he experienced what that's like for us to experience the death of a loved one. He had never experienced that as a man. He knew what that was as God but not as a man. And suddenly with all the, with all the flesh of a man he realized the brokenness we feel when death comes. I think he wept because he thought you're going to have me bring him back to this. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five these words. I am the resurrection and the life. He that lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Though he were injured unto death, yet shall he walk and talk again. And then he asked the hard question. That, that's the clear part. Here's the question. Do you believe this? Suddenly Jesus stood and did what nobody else could do. You see, the Jews believed if somebody had been dead four days, the spirit, they believed, the spirit of man circled in the vicinity for up to three days. But on the fourth day, he had departed into the eternity, into eternity. So therefore, the death was certain, locked. On the fourth day, it was Jesus who stood in a tomb just maybe right over there. And he said, Roll back the stone. See, he doesn't do for us what we can do. Roll back that stone. They push back the stone, and then he said this. Lazarus, come forth. Boy, goodness, what's it going to be like when he says, Nick, come home. that moment, a man who'd been dead for four days, the Bible said he stunk because all they could do is put spice on the outside they couldn't do embalming. And by the fourth day, even the spices couldn't push back the smell of death. Suddenly, here comes a man, and he's walking really funny because he's bound in those rags of death, and he can barely move like a mummy. And he's standing at the entry. Those women went wild. Jesus won't do for us what we can do for ourselves. He said, loose him and let him go. Why did Jesus not come and heal Lazarus when they asked? Because they knew he could heal. What they didn't know is he could raise the dead. It's the long nights that teach us how to wait on God for the better part. We know what he can do in an instant, but sometimes he said, but I want to show you my 
greater glory. But God, I want to know now. I'm showing you. Be patient. Wait on me. Anybody here waited a long time for God to do something and you've given up? You shouldn't because the Bible says night endures for a season, but joy comes what? In the morning. Some of you here have had trauma. It wasn't from a car accident. It's because of the the bombardment of thoughts of the world have crushed your ability to focus on the one who's the Lord of life. We could see Creighton's trauma and doctors could put together his skull and then say, we just got to wait and see. But see, sometimes you carry those wounds and your mask is so tight, you know, you don't let anybody know. My mind is really messed up and hurting. You like it in there? Are you sick of it? Some of you say, Brother Nick, I remember when I used to walk with joy. (laughs) But my steps now are faltering because I hurt so bad. You like it like that? Do you you think that these parents rejoiced when they saw their son crushed on a hospital bed? They rejoiced that he was alive, but their hearts broke to see the condition. Your heavenly father is broken to see your condition and how you live life and call it normal. You know what Jesus said? Come unto me. Come here. Are you listening? Come here. Are you listening? His favorite word. Come to me, all you that are weary. Anybody here? Oh my. And you're heavy burdened. He did that for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, for me, and many of you. Some of you are holding out. I'm asking you to reach out and let this God of glory lift your burden and give you peace. I want to pray for us. Some years ago, there was a a chorus that I sure did learn to love. And like many choruses, we just sing them a while and then pick another one. The chorus went like this. There's no problem too big. God cannot solve it. There's no mountain too tall. God cannot move it. There's no storm too dark. He cannot calm it. There's no sorrow too deep. God cannot soothe it. If he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders, I know my brother, he'll carry you.